listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings with others who are following along, I invite you to find the Facebook page for the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to share your thoughts and insights and reflections into today's readings with others who are following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who have proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example and holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 209, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 254 to 262. Chapter 23. The Occupations of the Virgin Mother During the Absence of Her Most Holy Son and her intercourse with her guardian angels. 254. When the Redeemer of the world had left the bodily presence of his most loving mother, she felt herself, as it were, in an eclipse, or under a shadow caused by the transposition of the clear Son of Justice, which had illumined and rejoiced her. Yet, though this might be true of her senses, Her soul lost nothing of the light in which it bathed and in which it was raised above the burning love of the seraphim. As all the operations of her faculties during the absence of the human personality of her son concerned themselves with the deity, she so ordered all her doings that retired within her dwelling and separated from all human intercourse she might apply herself to the contemplation and praise of the Lord. She wanted to give herself up entirely to the exercise of prayer and petition, in order that the seed of the divine word and doctrine, which the Lord was to plant into the hearts of men, might not be lost on account of their hardness and ingratitude, and not fail to give abundant fruit of eternal life and salvation of souls. By means of her infused knowledge, She knew the intentions of the Incarnate Word, and therefore the Most Prudent Lady resolved not to converse with the human creature in order to imitate him in his fasting and retirement of the desert, as I will relate farther on. For she was a living image and faithful reproduction of Christ, whether he was absent or present. 2.55 Shut up in her house during all the days in which her divine son was absent, our blessed lady spent her time in exercise of devotion. Her prayers were so ardent that she shed tears of blood and weeping over the sins of men. 
She genuflected and prostrated herself upon the ground more than 200 times each day. And this was an exercise which she practiced with special earnestness during all her life, as an exterior manifestation of her humility, charity, reverence, and worship of God. Of it I shall speak many times in the course of this history, thus cooperating with her absent Son and Redeemer. She interceded so powerfully and efficaciously with the Eternal Father, that on account of her merits and on account of her presence here upon this earth, according to our way of speaking, he forgot the sins of all the mortals who were then making themselves unworthy of the preaching and doctrine of his most holy Son. Mary then cleared away this hindrance by the clamors of her burning charity. She was the mediatrix who merited and gained for us the blessing of being taught by our Lord himself and of receiving the law of his holy gospel from his own lips. 256. What time still remained after her prolonged contemplations and exalted prayers, the great queen spent in conversation and intercourse with her holy angels, for the Lord had commanded them anew to attend upon their mistress in bodily forms during all the time in which her son was to be absent. It is in this form that they were to serve his tabernacle and guard the holy city of his habitation. The ministers of God obeyed most diligently and served their queen with admirable and befitting reverence. As love is so active and so impatient of the absence and privation of the object beloved, it finds its great comfort in speaking of its sorrow and rehearsing the cause of it in renewing ever again the memory and discussing the excellences and conditions of the beloved. By such discourse it beguiles its sorrow, diverts its grief, and recalls to memory the images of her well-beloved. Such was also the course pursued by the most loving mother of our truest and highest good. For while her faculties were overwhelmed by the immense ocean of the divinity, she felt not the bodily absence of her son and lord. But as soon as she again recovered the use of her senses, which had been accustomed to his amiable intercourse, and now found herself deprived of it, she immediately felt the irresistible force of her most intense, chaste, and sincere love, unfathomed by any creature. It would have been impossible for nature to suffer such pain and still retain life, had it not in her been divinely supported and strengthened. 257. In order to afford some relief to her sorrow-laden heart, she therefore returned to her holy angels, and complained to them as follows, Ye diligent ministers of the Most High, fashioned by the hands of my beloved, my friends and my companions, give me intelligence of my cherished son and master. Tell me where he tarries, and inform him that I am dying on account of the want of his life-giving presence. O sweet and bounteous love of my soul, where art thou more beautiful than all the sons of men? Where dost thou lay thy head? Where rests thy most delicate and most holy body from its fatigues? Who is there to attend upon thee, light of my eyes? How can my tears ever cease to flow, deprived of the clear light of the sun, which illumined mine? Where, O my son, 
canst thou find repose? Where shall thy lonely and poor little bee find thee? What course shall this, thy little bark, pursue in the vast billows of this ocean of love? Where shall I find peace? O beloved of my desires, to forget thy presence is not possible to me. How, then, can it be possible to live in mere memory of thee without actual intercourse? What shall I do? O who shall console me and lend me his company in this bitter solitude? Whom shall I seek among creatures as long as thou art absent, who art the only one, and all that my heart yearns after in its love? Sovereign spirits tell me, what does my love and my beloved Inform me of his exterior movements, and omit nothing of his interior doings, as far as in the light of his divinity is made clear to you. Point out to me all his footsteps, in order that I may follow and imitate him. 2.58 The holy angels obeyed their queen, counseling her in the sorrows of her mournful love, speaking of the Most High, and repeating to her most exalted praises of the most sacred humanity of her Son and of all his perfections. They informed her of all his occupations and undertakings, and of the places in which he wandered. This they did by enlightening her understanding in the same way a higher angel is wont to enlighten those of an inferior order. For this was her manner of intercourse with the angels, unhindered by her body and the senses. The heavenly spirits communicated to her the prayers of the incarnate word, his teachings, his visits to the poor and the sick, and other actions, so that the heavenly lady was enabled to imitate him in these proceedings according to her condition. She thus engaged in most excellent and magnanimous undertakings, as I shall yet describe, and by this means she was eased in her sorrow and grief. 2.59 She also served several times, sent the holy angels to visit in her name her sweetest son. On such occasions, she gave them most prudent instructions, full of deep and reverential love, also supplying them with linen cloths and towels, prepared by her own hands, in order that they might wipe the divine visage of the Savior, when they saw him exhausted and covered with a bloody sweat. For the Blessed Mother knew that he was thus overcome more and more often, as he approached the fulfillment of all the works of the Redemption. The holy angels obeyed their queen therein with incredible reverence and holy fear, because they knew that the Lord himself permitted it in order to yield to the ardent desires of his most holy mother. At other times, informed by the angels or by a special vision or revelation of the Lord, she knew of his prayers and petitions for mankind in the mountains. Then she would perform the same prayers in her house, in the same posture with the same words. Sometimes, when she saw that the Lord of all creation was in want of food, she also sent him by the hands of the angels some nourishment, although this happened but seldom. For the Lord, as I have indicated in the foregoing chapter, did not always permit his mother to act according to the promptings of her love. Therefore, during the forty days of his fast, she did not send any food, because she understood such to be his will. 260 at other times, the heavenly lady occupied herself in composing hymns of praise and thanksgiving to the Most High. This she did by herself, or in company of alternating songs with the angels. 
All these canticles were most exalted in style and contained the deepest mysteries. At other times she hastened to the assistance of her neighbor in imitation of her most holy son. She visited the sick, consoled the sorrowful and afflicted, enlightened the ignorant, brought relief to them, and enriched them with divine grace and bounty. Only during the time of the great fast of our Lord, she retired and remained in her house, as I have already mentioned. During this retirement, our queen and lady separated herself from all human company, and she was favored by almost continually recurring ecstasies, in which she received peerless gifts and treasures of the divinity. For the hand of the God imprinted and painted, as upon an admirably prepared canvas, the outlines and images of his infinite perfections. All these new graces and gifts she employed in working for the salvation of men, and all occupations and thoughts followed closely, the doings of the Savior as becoming the coadjutrix of the Lord and his labors for the redemption of mortals. Although these benefits and close intercourse with the Lord could not but bring her a great and ever-new joy and exaltation of soul in the Holy Spirit, yet in the inferior and sensible parts of her being, she experienced the pains which she had sought and asked of the Savior in union with him and in imitation of his sufferings. In this desire of following him in the sufferings, she was insatiable, and she besought the Eternal Father for this privilege, which incessant and burning love she renewed that most pleasing sacrifice of the life of her son and her own, which she had made in accordance with the will of God. And she was consumed with the desire of suffering, which the beloved enduring the greatest pains precisely because of the want of her suffering. Instruction which the Queen of Heaven Most Holy Mary gave me. 261. My dearest daughter, the wisdom of the flesh has made men ignorant, foolish, and hostile to God, because it is of the devil, deceitful, earthly, and rebellious to the divine laws. Romans 8.7 The more the children of Adam study and exert themselves to reach the evil objects of their carnal and animal passions and to attain the means of indulging them, so much the more they will fall into ignorance of divine things by which alone they can come to their true ultimate end. This ignorance and worldly prudence is still more abominable and still more hateful in the eyes of God when it occurs in the children of the church. By what right can the children of this world call themselves sons of God, brethren of Christ, and inheritors of his possessions? The adopted son must be in all that is possible, like unto the natural son. A brother is not of different blood or position from that of his brother. One is not called an heir merely because he is in some way concerned with the possessions of his father, but because he has the full enjoyment and comes into the possession of the principal property of the testator. How, then, are those heirs of Christ who love, desire, and seek only earthly goods and are perfectly satisfied with them. How can those be his brothers, who so widely depart from his position, his teachings, and his holy rule of life? How can they be similar to him and claim to be his image and likeness, when they so often destroy in themselves all likeness of him, and allow themselves to be so often sealed with the image of the infernal beast? 
Apocalypse 16.2.262 By divine light thou knowest, my daughter, these holy truths, and how I exerted myself to make myself the image of the Most High, namely my Son and Lord. Do not think that I have given these such deep insight into my works without some purpose, for it is my wish that this remain written in thy heart and be forever before thy eyes, serving them as a rule for all thy conduct during the remainder of thy life, which cannot be of very long duration now. Do not allow thyself to be retarded and snared away from my following by intercourse with creatures. Let them alone. Avoid them, despise them, in so far as they can hinder thee on thy way. In order that thou mayest advance in my school, I wish to see thee poor, humble, despised, abased, yet always with a cheerful heart and countenance. Do not try to repay thyself with the applause of the love of any creature, nor allow human sentiments to rule thee, for the Most High has not destined thee for such useless entanglements, or for occupations so lowly and adverse to the religious state to which he has called thee. Think attentively and humbly of the tokens of his love received at his hands, and of the treasures of his grace which he has showered upon thee. Neither Lucifer nor any of his ministers and followers are ignorant of them. They are filled with wrath against thee, and in their cunning they will let no stone unturned for thy destruction. His greatest efforts will be directed against thy interior, where he has planted his battery of cunning and deceit. Do thou live well prepared and watchful against all his attacks. Close the portals of thy senses, and preserve the authority of thy will, without allowing it to be spent on human undertakings, no matter how good and upright they may appear to thee. For if, in the least point, thou curtail the love which God requires of thee, this very point will be seized upon by thy enemies as a portal of entrance. All the kingdom of God is within thee. Luke 17.21 Keep it there, and there wilt thou find it, and in it all the good thou desirest. Forget not my teachings and discipline, lock it up in thy bosom, and remember how great is the danger and damage from which I thereby wish to preserve thee. That thou art called to imitate and follow me is the greatest blessing which thou canst ever desire. I am ready in my extreme clemency to grant thee this blessing, if thou dispose thyself to high resolves, holy words, and perfect works, which alone can raise thee to the state which the Almighty and I desire thee to attain. This concludes our reading for day number 209. We have read from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 23, Paragraphs 254 to 262. Our reading today details how Mary experiences the absence of her Most Holy Son, and also then her awareness of the angels and how she converses with them. I think that our instruction today that Our Lady gives to Maria of Agreda is really a synopsis of what we have heard. This is what resonated most with me. Do not think that I have given thee such deep insight into my works without some purpose, 
For it is my wish that this remain written in thy heart and be forever before thy eyes, serving thee as a rule for all thy conduct during the remainder of thy life, which cannot be a very long duration. What we receive in these daily readings is what Our Lady calls a deep insight into her works, and that these insights have purpose. For it is her wish that this remain written on our hearts. Well, what's written on our hearts? Probably the greatest commandments that Jesus summarizes the ten. To love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, and to love thy neighbor as thyself. That's written on our hearts. And so when Our Lady says that today, that this remain written in thy heart, it's really the love of God and love of neighbor. To love God like Our Lady loved God, to love our neighbor as both Jesus and Mary loved our neighbor. That's our call. That's our task. Allow the law of God to be written on your heart today so that you may allow your heart to guide every action of your day and life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.